Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and it's hosted by me, Jason Carapesi, and Paul Gillieri. I'm in an upbeat mood today, and I think you uh, are too, because we're talking with a band called Corduroy from your neck of the woods, Paul. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we're in LA, right? But I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, San Francisco proper to be exact. And Corduroy, based up there, pretty exciting really enjoyed the interview that we had with them. Um, it's rare that, you know, first of all, there's only so many Pearl Jam cover bands out there, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that for all intents and purposes, we've done a pretty solid job. You actually have done a pretty solid job of roping in what I would say are, are probably the best ones out there, at least the ones that have the biggest followings. And it's pretty cool that one of them happens to be from my neck of the woods up north. I mean, it's rare, right? I mean, how many people can say it? It's probably about as rare as somebody saying the album that hooked him on a Pearl Jam was No Code and his favorite <laughs> song on it was Bad Habit. I mean, how how rare and almost, what are the odds of that ever happening? Everybody in about eight minutes. <laughs> maybe less, maybe less. Um, yeah, so we've got um, two of the five members of Corduroy. We've got Diego, who is the, um, the founder and the lead singer. We've got John, who is the Stone Gossard guitar player type. And um, these guys were a lot of fun to talk to. They, they've played some pretty big shows on the western part of the country. Um, I feel like they might, might be breaking some news in this interview as well. So uh, I guess without further ado, it's part two of our tribute band series. It's Corduroy. All right, we're here with Bay Area tribute band Corduroy, and we're here with the singer Diego and the Stone Gossard rhythm player John. How are you guys doing? Hey, man. Good, good. Good to be here. Thank you guys for having us. It's a pleasure. Happy to have you guys on. So, tribute bands, Pearl Jam. Let's start at the beginning because everyone has their own journey with Pearl Jam. And actually, our very first episode, Paul and I, we talked about how we got into the band. So I'm going to start with John and say, how did you find Pearl Jam and what draw, drew you to them? Yeah. So I'm, I'm 31, which makes me like the youngest, you know, diehard Pearl Jam fan out there, I think. So my older sister, seven years older, had, uh, you know, 10 on CD. Uh, and probably by the time, so when she was like, you know, 18 out of the house, I was going through her CD collection. I was probably like 11. That was my guess when I found that. And it's funnily enough, 10, I know for us, everyone 10 was their first album. For me, like, I think I heard that. I think I went straight to, I think she had verses in Vitalogy too. And I think I liked him enough to like, I think I went and bought No Code. And that was when I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Wow. Whatever that was when I was like, probably that, that took me maybe up to age 12, 13, you know, 2001 too. So that was actually right. I, that sounds right. Cause that was right when, um, uh, I remember, I remember buying a uh, ride act when that came out 2002, I think, and seeing them on that. Uh, 2003 four tour. So, 
Very cool. So you, you, um, like most No Code was the one that did that's, it. That's that was insane. like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. And that's that's in, my favorite album. I know it's very. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. And weirdly, and so it was funny about that album is like at the time, because I was like 12 years old, like Habit, that was the heaviest song. Like that was awesome. Um, and now, like, that was good, but actually, I, I like everything else about that album now. But, what was your initial reaction as far as favorite song on No Code when you first heard it? Habit. Yeah, oh, that was your favorite. Okay, because it was just like heavy, you know, drop D, just like angry. That was what, what I was all about. And, and what song like, did you hate? Um, around the or, band, or this yeah, like, right around the band. So it's like one of my Actually, favorite songs in the album. <laughs> it's amazing. Jason it's amazing. and I go back and forth on this all the time. No, it's amazing. It's incredible. I mean, now it hurts. I mean, and now like now I'm like I would still be like I mean, mankind. I mean, it's I mean Stone sings it. So that's cool. Do you, oh, do you get to sing it? <laughs> we're not gonna do that guy. Come on, <laughs> Diego. Got to get you. Diego, put the kibosh on that one. <laughs> so, Diego, you're the singer of this of this of this behemoth called Corduroy. So, how did you get into the band? Uh, I I found uh, I was the founder of the band in a very funny way, if you want to put it that way. Uh, we should be called the Crackless Band, as every single band out there, you know. But. Um, uh, it's something I always wanted to do for so long. I think since I was <laughs> 12. <laughs> but since everything came out, no, I always wanted to do it. It was like a goal. I used to hang out with my friends uh, back in Peru, and we were like huge, huge, huge fans. So I was always something in the back of my head. I was into soccer more than into music in Peru, playing everywhere, uh, playing soccer everywhere. And then I was like, yeah, someday, someday, someday. And then one day I was here and I was like, hey, why not? Let's just do it. But I had to make it look professional to make sure everybody will respond to the ad, you know? So um, I made the logo and everything. I was like, uh, Pearl Jam Trivia Band is looking for lead guitar, rhythm guitar, bass player, and drums. <laughs> was like, like, everything. This is the whole band. <laughs> if you didn't read it, I was like, oh, he must be the singer and whoever is looking for it. Or maybe a big manager or whatever, you know? So I was like, okay, hopefully someone comes. And then the first time I remember, um, I mentioned it to a friend. This is back in 2016. Um, that he, um, we were playing, I have a, an original band um, in Spanish rock. Um, I'm from Peru. So we, and then he had another one. So I was like, dude, we should do this. We got the same 90s background. So he was like, yeah, I'm in. And then I remember he was the one doing the drums on the rehearsal for, for everybody on the auditions. I'm sorry. Uh, but then two weeks after he's like, dude, I cannot make it. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I just have this huge project at work that I cannot like take my eyes off. Like it's, it's, it's something that is going to, I'm going to take all my time. And then the, the rest of it is going to be my family. So I was like, Oh my God. So, so I'm like, okay, that's fine. So we got together and then it was five guys and we start playing and that was, that was how it happened. And then I think Charles, which is the bass player, he is, the one who went to the audition. And it's oh. funny because Charles was on the previous uh, Pearl Jam tribute that already, I mean, they just split. And he was, was one of them. I think he was fired. He was, oh, yeah, he was fired. He was <laughs> and um, um, out of his control, this is what happened. So uh, he was like, I want to continue doing this. So if you guys are doing it, I'm, I'm, I'm in. And I was like, hey, who, who, who better than this guy, you know, to take stick over you know continue the the legacy of the tribute band pro jam and then we've been playing since 2016 and then john joined us last year right 
And then his last his first show yeah. was yeah, in, in Utah, actually. Yep. In Salt Lake City. Yeah. At the uh, Depot. Uh, it's a yeah. live mainstream venue. So it was funny because it's a huge venue. Um, it wasn't packed. It was a, no. I mean, it was a nice it was amount crazy. of people. I, mean, I played in bands and stuff. And like I've played for 50, maybe 100 people. But think of like a small place back. I show up <laughs> to, the, to the Depot if you guys been there. It's like a thousand person venue. <laughs> There's like, like multiple people running sound, lights. Yeah, it was This so is the real cool. deal. Yeah, yeah, like yeah we did yeah, sound check. People were like lined up outside waiting for doors to open. And I was like, for you guys, yeah, 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 yeah. And we were like hiding, hiding on the, on the side door, you know, when you do the loading and load out, yeah. like, are they coming for us? <laughs> it was, and it was, it was uh, great. It was great. And I, and, and I joined the band, you know, David told me about this band. Like uh, I've heard about it like three weeks ago, audition, got in. And then we were playing, it was like a two and a half hour show. Just us, an evening with Corey. <laughs> How many songs you guys play? Like, uh, 25 songs and he's like what <laughs> like yeah <laughs> i was like why and like i don't know people ask we play because <laughs> we can because we can yeah good yeah. thing we've been practicing all of them since i was 12. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome okay so that that's how you guys got together and a little bit of, of some background some story with the band so what does pearl generally mean to you both how, uh, how, how would you characterize the way the band has impacted you as a person or or influenced you in your life i know it's a big it seems like a loaded question but why else would you play in a tribute yeah. band yeah, right? have this great affinity for pearl jam obviously uh, i can i can go i mean I think, yeah i think people sometimes talk about it as like a spiritual or kind of a religious experience like not to get too deep too fast over but like i think we don't we i'm not particularly religious and we don't live in arrow and like i don't have like a lot of friends who go to church but i think our version of that, our generation's version of that is like going to a show where everyone can sing along, whether you're playing or you're in the audience and everyone's on the same page, everyone loves the music, everyone's there for that common purpose. Like that's a, it's cheesy, but that's a spiritual experience for me. And, um, and then I think it just like, it just feeds back on itself where you have that experience live and then maybe you go back to the record and you hear it a different way and then you go back and see the live show again. And so I think, especially if you, especially if you feel like, I mean, I came into the band late uh, <laughs> in the sense of, uh, you know, after their, their peak, but still like, I feel like I've known those guys for like 20 years and in a way I have in terms of hearing their music and, and hearing that progression. And, um, yeah. Uh, for, for me is, it's just a matter of all, all that when they came out, you know, that, that early nineties, when the first album came out in 91, um, you know, you're a teenager, so it's just like all that anger and all that, you know, it, it, you feel, you, you feel identified. And it's like, oh, this is my guy. This is, this is my band, you know? And it's just a matter of all the um, experiences and memories that you go through along with your friends. And, and in my case, it's a personal thing uh, when my, my, my parents were getting divorced and all this music was coming out. And I was just like, wow, it's just it's some songs you feel like, oh my God, this guy wrote this thinking about my situation. <laughs> but you you identify yourself with all those music, those lyrics. I'm sorry. And that's, I think, that's what is adding up year by year, album by album. And then you start, you know, the romance starts there. And it's growing and growing and growing. And it's right. just, you sound love. John, you mentioned religious experience. 
that's how I've explained it to my wife before she went to a show with me. Yeah. Um, she didn't go to a show with me until a couple years ago. I, I dragged her yeah. to Seattle to the home shows. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. I was there. I was the first one. Fantastic. Yeah. She gravitated toward what I was getting into and she would learn the songs and get into it, but she didn't really understand like the true religious experience that you just articulated. And she gets there and we're on the floor night one and like shit goes crazy and they're playing, they got low light and then they're going to animal and this, that, and the other wow. thing and they go. And after the, after the show, we go like this little shitty diner in, in, in uh, <laughs> Queen Anne and she goes, that was incredible. And I go, I know. <laughs> it, man. And like, and Paul and I, yeah, when we discuss yeah. these lyrics, we do yeah. a lyric of the week every single oh, week. So cool. We pick a lyric from one, like a little yeah, yeah. section of each song, and we kind of try and dissect it. And how about this? Every damn time, if if it's if it's his choice or my choice, the other person has a secondary meaning that they found that you wouldn't necessarily have found yourself. Yeah, how about it? It's the layers. Yeah. So like, totally. John might have gotten into habit and like holy shit i got a friend who did it and then you might listen to habit and go i did it and it just happens to work out that way yeah and so i find it interesting that people you know there's 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 five of you in the band and that you've all found yeah. reason to get together and, and promote that totally. same vibe that that you feel at the show totally so so, so what's your favorite part guys about being in yeah. a tribute band yeah, because, you know, Jay, Jason's right. I mean, you, you guys found that as a band. So, is yeah. that your favorite part about being in a band, a tribute band, namely? I think it's it's a matter of become that that thing that you like a lot, or that thing that it, 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 it through music takes you to places. You know, so it's that. Um, I don't know, it's that stage that you just forget that you're John from Diego and we just stone and Eddie and you just let it go. And then it's where it's just uh, it gets to a point that as the show goes, yeah. you just forget about it. And you yeah. just like you just uh, become that person and in your head. Yeah. You're just going through the images and, and as you're as I'm sure John can can relate because I know yeah. he as freak as I am with Pearl Jam, yeah. and I'm sure you guys are too. Yeah. But I, I know because I see him when he plays and he just closes his eyes and he just goes at it and I can see moves or faces that maybe Stone does it. You know? And it's, it's just burned into my head. It's just, <laughs> I'm like, yes, he's in the same place. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's just, you know? Yeah. And, then, and then you add the energy that the people give you. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, and that just, you know, yeah. takes you somewhere else. So you said, you, you mentioned you, uh, people can't see this, but you made a motion of a wave, which is very apropos for Eddie and the band. Cause they're yeah. very akin <laughs> yeah. to that, that, that yeah. uh, imagery. Um, when you're in the motion of that ocean, as it were, mm. uh, what, what is your favorite song to play? Each of you, John, you can go first. Oh, um, well, it's interesting. I was actually just thinking about that when you asked my favorite part. There's like the playing, the playing the shows part is amazing. And like that moment actually before you get out there, you're like, oh, we, we played a show in Sacramento. There were like, like 700 people there. Ace of Spades. Yeah, yeah. It was like incredible video. What is going on? <laughs> just to walk out to that. Even just that, the first few. Jeremy, like, Jeremy, are we going to Jeremy play? 
When I went like, okay, people, one, two, three, and everybody went like, who's in this? I was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. My favorite, my favorite part of the show is just anytime when you get that that reaction. It's all about just the interaction with the crowd. So, is that a particular song for you that you love playing the most? It's just getting that reaction. So, I was gonna say, I think there are a few moments for me where I think of. I say my other favorite part of the band. Well, David touched on one of them too, which is playing. Uh, actually, just getting to study and practice. Like I knew, I knew the songs. Like I knew how to play them, but then just listening and like one one ear of the headphone yeah. and like and like trying to just hear the stone parts and like really trying to get the details right i love that and then done that and then just going to the practice studio and like I'll, there are a couple of parts i'll never forget the first time i played with these guys actually during during um the the audition i guess we played a live and like i played this guitar for 20 years so like just getting out there plugging my guitar in and just playing that and then when the band comes in after playing that opening riff like oh my god felt like <laughs> superhuman you know like <laughs> i dreamed about that i never thought that would happen and like and oh, these guys all know the parts and they're like good and they it was crazy it was and they're like good <laughs> it's, it's like that that spider-man meme with the two spider-mans like you you wait me so that part of a live is every i mean every time so we do that i think is the coolest thing in the world to play that riff and then have the whole band join you as a stone and then the other um I think my other favorite moment of the song is probably in present tense. And sorry, yeah, it's actually after you stop singing, but it's actually just that whole like breakdown in present tense. Oh yeah. yeah. Kick um, drum and hi-hat. And do oh my God. God. I like that. That's like the buildup of everything. Yeah. And then like, and Stone's part of that is just so cool. And it's like, oh, it's, that's amazing. Um, everyone's like, everyone's just doing their own thing and it just all works. And like, it's amazing. Diego, what do you think? Favorite, favorite uh, song, favorite moment? There's too many, but there's one um without people let's say um that part before the bridge in corduroy that i always tell them it's like that's my favorite song so that's why that's that's what the name comes from um and i'm like that little lick that the guitar makes on that it's just that's that's it that's for me that's that's the whole country like when I say I'll end up alone like I began, that's that's that part until he goes until he goes and says everything. It's just that part. That's the whole show. That's <laughs> it's your happy place. Exactly. It's amazing. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> so if there were. You say you're playing 25 songs at a show. You're playing a lot of songs, but what are what's a song that you have not played that you really want to play? Um, I'm sure John will pick any from No Code. <laughs> Actually, we do present tense and No Hell, which are like that's yeah, classics. Amazing, yeah. yeah. Um, one song that I would love to play that we don't play, I will say. Who are you? Really? Okay. Yeah. No code. There you go. I, I thought you might say evolution. It's we we play do the evolution. Do you have evolution? Okay. Yeah. We do play yeah, that. Great. Yeah. yeah um, I I, I think that song. It's a special because I moved here um, in '95 from Peru, and I remember I moved a couple of days prior to No Code came out. Yep. And I, I bought the album, and for some reason. That was the first song besides Hell Hell that hit me. Right. And I remember I used to 
you know, those huge speakers, you know, the, the old speakers that you had in the living room. So I used to like turn them like this and I will put my head like <laughs> lay my head up between them and I will hear that song like, do, 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 come to say, it was just that song. I love to play that song. And then um, I'll say Faithful oh, and Low Light. Yes. That's beautiful. Let's track. Do those. More yield. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. I Actually, mean, there's a lot. We have a lot that we haven't played that we're going to. So 25 songs now, we're only covering, we're not even, I mean, we're covering one or two songs all the way till Yield. So, I think you would not- crush Brandon J. <laughs> Speaking of Yield, sadly, uh, all of us have had to yield to COVID, right? I mean, it's mm. just, that's why we're doing what we're doing right now in this yeah. way. And, you know, I'm curious, I think both Jason and I are both curious, actually, when you guys think about this experience, this shared experience, how would you say COVID has impacted Corduroy? And what have you guys been doing to try to push through this? <laughs> well, are, are you guys, do you guys have like virtual shows lined up or something? We or? did one, we did one actually last week, not last oh, okay. week, right? Was it? What was it? Last week? Time, what's time anymore, right? <laughs> what is today? No, it's a um, black circle that we must spin. John. A week before, not this, not this uh, Saturday. They want the fire. Yeah, the twenty second, I think. So we did. Uh, personally, I was. I'm not a fan of virtual shows because I like to see the people and. Feel you guys, you, you're that. You guys thrive off that live energy. You know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just a matter of feel the people, you know. So, um, I I honestly did it because the owner of the venue that we play, it's a friend, and it's a very close to the band already. That um, that we say, yeah, we want to support you, you know, and help you out. So we say yes, and then that's why we did it. We're thinking and we kind of talk about it to do like an unplug thing. Um, if this doesn't end. Cool. Yeah, so, um, but asking how um, affected the band, I, I mean, we have so many shows. Like, we had, um, we were supposed to play in May in Utah again, uh, same place, the, the Depot. We uh, were supposed to play at the Streetwater here in uh, Mill Valley. Um, that's the Bay Area Peninsula. We had four nights at the Canyon where you guys are in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had Denver that we were supposed to actually Denver. We play in uh, Valentine's day. We oh. play in Denver. And then we, they wanted us back. Uh, they would say, Oh yeah, by the end of the summer, for sure you guys are coming back. And that's another, uh, it's Denver. We play at the summit, which is another like a thousand or 1200. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of, See, all our shows are being pushed and pushed. Like, for example, we have one this, we were supposed to play this Saturday at uh, Cornerstone in Berkeley. And that's already being rescheduled for late January. Yeah. Uh, so all this, it's just a matter of, I think next year is going to be everything. We're hoping we have one in Thanksgiving weekend and one in December. So fingers crossed, it, basically. It's that, up in the air, you know, but yeah. we're trying to do outdoor shows. I'm talking to some people that they want to oh, yeah. like you know, 
So they're doing here like uh, I know the canyon is doing like the at uh, the parking lot. Um, they're doing like a carpool drive-in concert series that um, we might go over there and do that one. And then they do it here, the same thing at uh, at the Alameda Fairgrounds. They're doing like a driving thing that you pay a hundred dollars per car. You can fit as many people as you want. Yeah, they're doing that in in Los Angeles too. They have like a a stage like it's like a square stage and they're having like big artists come and then it's like a massive parking lot that you pull your car into and is in a circle around that stage and oh it's a circle oh this one is just like a regular concert they just, oh yeah you, it's like, like you pull up in all directions yeah. around this uh mm-hmm. square stage mm-hmm. um so that's that's happening down here but that's just a wild way to think about it john how do you how is it affecting you yeah i, mean, I feel like it's just reinforced kind of like how important playing music is and playing loud music and playing live music and having the crowd it's just to go with this long as it hurts. I mean, so for me, the live stream, just on a personal level, it's just great to be able to turn my amp up loud in a room with these guys. That was awesome. Um, even without the audience. Um, I've done with a friend, I've done some porch concerts, acoustic kind of things and it's cool. It's great to play music, but yeah, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. Uh, you know, talking about playing the crowds, um, you've played to some really interesting crowds and some big crowds, as you've mentioned, and, and in the v- YouTube videos that I've seen, um, you also mentioned Sacramento, Ace of Spades Club. What is your favorite venue that you've played so far? And I will say, what city slash venue do you hope to get to maybe next year or the year after? What's what's like, what's like the next goal as far as like a place to, to play at? Um, so I think um, the one of the top ones is probably Ace of Spades since the amount of people that we got on back in January uh, when we uh, when we play there. But um, there's one venue that we really like a lot, and it's the Mystic in Petaluma. Ah. Mm. It's it's a venue that it's packed, and the same amount of people that you see on the first song is the same amount of people that you see in the last song. Okay. You know, because you know, it shows people sometimes towards the end they're like, "Okay, I'm done, bye," which is totally understandable unless you unless you're the real Pearl Jam or the real band, you know. But it's that Sonoma State crowd, I'm guessing, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Okay, this is it." I mean, yeah, it's 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 Petaluma. It's it's like a small town. Um, I love them. They're great. The people are great. It's such but a cool that, theater. It's like an old movie house. Like an old theater. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very so cool. like unique, and, and that yeah. makes it even better. You know, and uh, I've, seen, I've seen like amazing bands there too. So then, to play, like anytime I can play on a stage where I've seen a band that I love, I'm like, this is crazy. That's gotta be awesome. It's like, what, oh, so and so stood here. I'm playing yeah. on this. Yeah. Oh, that's when we play <laughs> the whiskey. Oh when yeah, 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 the whiskey. So Pearl Jam is the top of the top for me, but then. Right after it's the doors. Mm. So for me to play at the whiskey, it was just like and, and see all this Gene Morrison's yeah. pictures and, and then remember Berlay and memories and stuff like that. And walking on that stairs, you know, and then saying, Man, I mean not only the doors, it's so I'll tell you a little story. At the end of the show when we played there the first time, I went into the office, which is on the second floor. And then I was talking to the booking girl. I was like, oh, you guys are great, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and they have, I don't know if you guys been in that office, but it has so much. It's, it, it, the walls, you can't even see the, the, the color of the wall because it's pictures all over the place. And there's one big frame with probably seven or eight 
original pictures, like film, from the first show of the Guns N' Roses, first ever. Oh, show yes. Show. And they have it there. And, she, and I'm like, wow. And it's like, those are the real pictures. She said, those are the real pictures. It was in 1986, the first time that they played at the Whiskey. Can you imagine seeing like, GNR at the Whiskey in 1986? Holy shit. Uh, yeah, I was playing twice, actually. There. Uh, uh, th- that whole scene back then, it was like pay to play. You know, like you had to, no. unless you were huge, you had to no, pay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, you know, man, it's uh, we live in an age now where it, it's it's never been easier, theoretically, for a band to to push music out there to right. record and whatnot. So we'd love to know and our listeners would love to know what do you guys have that you that you're promoting? Um, is it any up, upcoming things that that, that you're, you're going to go viral with any content? So um, we're planning to do an unplug if, if, if nothing happens. Uh, that we can go back to the venues with the people. We'll probably do the virtual thing again. Um, I've been talking to a couple of friends that they own like big warehouse warehouses, and then they have all this uh, gear and equipment to make it happen. Uh, but it will be probably an unplug with all the uh, all the Pearl Jam first original. Let's say, are you, so, you going to try and do like the MTV look with the candles and the stage? And <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's. I mean, it's a surprise, but I'll tell you. You got to find a corduroy jacket, Diego. And I expect you to write on your arm with a Sharpie. Pro choice on your arm. And you do a handstand on a stool? (laughs) Before November, I'll do the gold boat instead of pro choice. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Good idea. So, oh, yeah. I I mean, hopefully I don't get banned or anything. But, um, yeah, no. That's that's pretty much the plan. Pretty much that we were thinking about it is that, the unplugged. But other than that, it's just, you know, people can check us out in our, our social media, uh, YouTube channel, all those, you know, digital platforms. Is it Corduroy91? Is that what it is? So the uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook is at CorduroyPJ91. Yep. Um, and then our website is CorduroyPJ91.com. It's just that one. But And then you can just go through there and... and to their YouTube channel to see all the videos. But our Facebook is pretty decent amount of videos too. So, but yeah, if you're answering your question, it's probably the unplug. If that doesn't happen that, that we're coming back or everything gets reopened, that will be the answer. Well, we will certainly, um, whenever this thing airs, hopefully it airs right around the time you plan on doing this. Yeah. And uh, we will obviously uh, plug those on our channels and make sure everybody knows where to go to find it. And yeah, I look for forward sure. to seeing it. Well, um, you guys will be the first ones. I'll let you know as soon as everything is confirmed. Excellent. And, and when, when all this cockamamie mal- malarkey, if I can use some old timey words, ends, we're going to come up to the Bay Area. We're going we're gonna to see a show of you, hopefully side stage, with a beer, and have a great time. Yeah, yeah. Two yeah. beers. Oh, actually. please. That's right. When we go to LA, you guys That's right. Things. Exactly. Let's say, and and we're all going to be at the Oracle Arena shows and at the Forum shows, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I still have my yeah. tickets, man. We, Paul and I yeah. both still have the tickets in hand. Same yeah, held on to them. Same year. Yeah. Well, John, Diego, um, Paul and I, I think both super stoked you could come on the show and, and talk Very about grateful. our yeah. favorite band, um, our favorite band. And, and yeah, yeah. Thanks for, um, thanks for being in a tribute band because in times, especially at times like this, when you know, I, I spoke about this before, but tribute bands for me lie in this lovely spot where, you know, if you can't see your band, if you're not, if you're a part of the world or part of the country where you don't, they don't come by a lot, tribute bands are the ultimate aphrodisiac to kind of get you over the hump 
you know, and you guys are doing a service to people who, who need that fix, that religious experience, but don't, but can't travel across the country or across the world or whatever it is. So yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Keep rocking the fuck out. And uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you for the support. Being from the Bay Area, obviously there's there's a connection that you have to that area, so you know what they're talking about when they mention where they're playing in Petaluma or on the East Bay. And they played some pretty big places. I mean, that, that that gig in Utah with thousands of people. I think it was one of John's first shows. Right. That's wild. It's a tribute. It's quite, band. It's quite an introduction to uh, right. Was it like to, two and a half hour show? Yeah, man. Well, in in true Pearl Jam fashion, right? You got to marathon it. Right? You got to do it. You got to do it. Um, so, a couple of nuggets that the band ha- has told us um, uh, since the interview. So this is kind of uh, breaking news for everybody. Uh, I haven't spoken, they haven't said this to anybody else, but they are going to do uh, an unplugged show. Uh, it is going to be basically a complete um, p- proper tribute to the MTV Unplugged show. They're going to try and dress up their set as best they can to mimic that thing. It's going to be the exact same set list. Um, it may or may not be virtual. They may do it outside with with an audience outside to try and you know stay within the protocols of, of the pandemic and all. But they're going to do that in the next coming in the few next few coming weeks, and they're also going to do a 10 30th anniversary national tour in 2021. So that's very exciting. So if you are in anywhere, Pensacola, Little Rock, Topeka, Wichita. I don't know. Yeah. If you're anywhere, they're going to come to you. So be on the lookout for that next year. Uh, I feel like 2021 is going to be like this avalanche of shows. You know, as things start to finally get back to some sort of normalcy, we're going to have shows creeping up again. And all of a sudden, everyone and their mother is going to try and book venues. So when you have money to spare, I would say go check out these guys because they're pretty damn good. There are. All right, let's move on to this week's Lyric of the Week. And this week's Lyric of the Week comes from Vitalogy. I think you know where we're going with this. It comes from Corduroy. Okay, Paul, um, I have long argued, maybe just to myself, but I've long argued that this might be the best live song that Pearl Jam does. It's always a treat to hear. Uh, so we're doing the lyrics this week. You've chosen the second verse. Talk me through it. What do you think? You know, this song has always been iconic in the catalog. I think it, it represents the band on so many levels, lyrically and musically. And, uh, it's, it's, I mean, I've met people that say it's, it's, they think it's the best song Pearl Jam has ever written. Um, I don't know if I go that far, but, but I do like it. I do enjoy it a lot. And, you know, I was listening to this track not too long ago and I was, I was just thinking about everything that we're going through right now. And, you know, 
I can't help but feel how much of what many of us are experiencing is being slowly politicized in a lot of ways. And the more and more you read about it, the more and more you start to see flags being planted and just the seeds of divisiveness being sown. And this really is, is, I would say, is less tied to the pandemic and more tied to what has been for well over a decade now, a couple of decades now, uh, this growing divide in American politics, at least, between the two major political parties. And what I found with these lyrics is they seem to echo this threshold that we are about to meet with this upcoming election. And I say that because it's very hard to find civil discourse and common ground between people of the Democratic and Republican parties. And I say that because if you just look at the the news sources from which very diehard um, card-carrying members of these parties uh, subscribe to, uh, there there seems to be a, a bias, an inherent bias in these media sources that essentially does less of a job of providing you with unfiltered, unbiased, objective news and, and far more along the lines of a narrative that you should believe. Confirmation bias? Yeah, they're, they're, it's an echo chamber. There's a lot of confirmation bias. And I'm finding that <clears throat> each side kind of looks at the other and there seems to be this prevailing attitude. Now, this, this line uh, was actually from the previous verse. It says, I can't let you roam inside my head, right? And so that's a nice precursor to the lyric that we just listened to because there is this this desire to say, I don't even want to listen to what the other side has to say because I don't want those ideas. I don't want that floating inside my head. And I don't want it floating inside the head of somebody I care about. That seems to be the sentiment that is so consistently communicated on both sides of the fence. And then this this line here, I won't take what you can give. I would rather starve than eat your bread. I would rather run, but I can't walk. Guess I'll lie alone just like before. So, so many people are just exasperated with what they feel is a dead end, you know? Um, the inability to find compromise and common ground when it, it's no longer um, politicians being elected to represent and serve the American people when it's now politicians being elected to serve very, very uh, narrow constituencies that are less representative of the population as a whole and more representative of these very, very divisive sects of the American population. And it's unfortunate because it's less of, I'm interested in what you have to say. I'd like to understand where you're coming from in the hopes that we can find a common ground and move forward. And it's more, I don't want to take what you can give me, and I would rather starve than need anything you have to sell me. And it's just unfortunate. So this song, obviously, when this was written, I mean, there are bigger themes and ideas happening in the song that extend far beyond that. But uh, for whatever reason, it's, it, it's really hard for me when we explore these lyrics to not find a way to, to draw a connection to the, the poignancy and relevancy of how they continue to, to, to serve a useful purpose, whether it's 
uh, for, for uh, positive affirmation or whether it's a painful reminder of how things have changed so much and yet so very little at all, like we saw with previous lyrics. So that's kind of where I'm at with the with this set of lyrics. And they spoke to me and uh, wanted to share them. And, and here we are. I, I find it, um, I continue to find it interesting that you keep finding uh, new meaning in songs or ly- and lyrics that I, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody find. And they've all been applicable. Um, totally honest, I didn't know where you're going to go when you first started talking uh, about this. But then as you started tying it in with, as you're reading the lyrics, I go, holy shit, it does make a lot of sense if you look at it, at it that way. Obviously, this song, you know, Eddie wrote this song, you know, 26, seven years ago. And it was, it's notoriously about his, his relationship with fame and success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the people who pay you also want to take more from you. It's, a, it's an abusive relationship is kind of where he was going with it. I mean, the name of the song is about, is about a jacket they bought from a thrift store. And then he sees Ricky Martin on General Hospital wearing a $600 version of that. It's like, you can't, what's the line? You, you can't be me, but you can buy my clothes or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that's the kind of the original thing. I kind of took that and made it a broader thing with um, abusive relation, relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, in That's general, a good connection, yeah, you know, and you could you could actually tie that into what you just said about about being kind of tied into your own corners. It's an abusive relationship. Actually, each side needs the other. I mean, w- one of the biggest things that that um, Trump and, and the Republicans do, and their, their followers do a lot, is make decisions based on quote owning the libs. Mm-hmm. Just they do things to to rile up the other side. And that's it. it the, the, the policy it doesn't actually matter as much as pissing off the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but if there wasn't another side, they'd be talking to themselves. And, and, and the same holds true in a lot of ways for liberals. So it's like, right. it's an abusive relationship. And so in, in many ways, the subject of this song needs the other, but doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. You know? For Ed... You know, fame allowed him to get his message out. It paid his bills, allowed him to reach people who needed to hear his message. It's sort and, of like and to live a dream, right? I mean, to live a dream, exactly. Yeah. Now, maybe his maybe his real dream was to be playing club gigs for the rest of his life. We don't know. <laughs> I think he would disagree with that now, seeing what, what's what's happened with the band. But you know, it's sort of like being in a relationship where you're beholden to the other person. Maybe they have something over you, maybe maybe financially, maybe you have a child with somebody and you fear for the kid's development if you split up. Any, I mean, I'm just you know plucking out of the sky here, any number of reasons sure. that you could feel like you have to be connected to something, but you don't want to be. It's like you can feel sick over it. it, being offered what you need, but wishing you didn't have to accept it. Maybe you do refuse for a while, but out of principle, but then you kind of come back and you just want to get out of this relationship. You can't run away fast enough, but you're tied down. You can't right. even walk, let alone run. So inevitably you're stuck. So you just lie there alone, quote, even if there are people around you. It's a pretty shitty feeling to feel alone while you're in a crowd. I mean, that's bordering on depression, right? right. Especially when that crowd is both elevating you up, but also tying you down at the same time which is a weird thing to think about. I so, I mean, if, obviously for Ed, it was fame, success, and the whole jacket story that I mentioned. But for others, 
It could be family. It could be a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse. Uh, it could be your job. There's any number of abusive relationships, you know, and you brought up this, this whole political divide thing, each side needing the other to, to, to fight. But why, why, why do we have to fight about it? Why can't we have the conversation? You know? So it's funny that this song talking about, talking about uh, the, the battle that Ed had with fame can actually find its way into something more applicable in 2020 mm-hmm. yet again in a negative way yep, <laughs> as yep, all these songs yep. seem to have, but you know what? It's a release. So here we are. I feel better about it now. Good. You should. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten it out of our system. This is like therapy for us. Co-therapy. Whatever gets us through, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that and a fine scotch. All right. On to our live cut of the week. And Paul, the live cut of the week comes from a show I think we've done before, but it's a good one. It sure is, man. You know, it's funny you mentioned Ed playing small clubs. I mean, this is Constitution Hall in Washington, January 14th, 1995. 3,700 people in attendance for this show. We did visit this show previously for our uh, live version of Tremor Christ, if I recall. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it really is, I think, a signature show of this Vitology era. And um, for anybody who hasn't heard the show in its entirety or doesn't have a copy of it, I highly encourage you to go out there and fetch yourself some of this, man. It is outstanding. It's just a wonderful show all the way around. Um, What's interesting, I think, about this show is that it's the Voters for Choice benefit, which we mentioned the last time we brought the show up. However, tickets to the show are available via a postcard mail-in lottery system. And Mm -hmm. I can't help but think of mail-in no systems. Boy. Well, don't, bring it up. don't bring it up. I'm not going to bring it up. I, I did. I guess I did. Huh? Anyway, uh, it just it just seems so apropos to, to to a lot of what we're we're dealing with today. Now, obviously, uh, my choice of this cut has nothing to do necessarily with that context. It's, it's the sound quality is outstanding. Uh, the performance is fantastic. Its place in the set list. Um, it's it's actually the track right after tremor christ ironically and uh, you get these wish you were here riffs and then suddenly boom in the corridor we go followed by not for you so I, I thought that it was a perfect segue into what would be a wonderful version of not for you as well and uh, this was jack irons officially pearl jam's new drum new drummer at this mm-hmm. point you know what i mean um gloria steinem actually thanked jack uh during this show which some of the audience members apparently didn't take too kindly of, but uh, funny, but I, I saw. The band, so yeah, I, I know, man, exactly. And so, uh, it, by the way, speaking of Gloria Steinem, if you haven't seen Miss America, I think it's on Hulu. Miss also, America, yeah, I highly recommend that as well. It's uh, like an expose into the 1970s and the huh. kind of the, the, this feminist movement into. I would imagine some Jane Fonda's involved as well. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything. I just, uh, Gloria okay. Steinem figures heavily, right? okay. prominently, I should say. And uh, I, I forget uh, the actress who plays her. I should know this. I don't know why it's evading me now. It doesn't matter. Um, Tom talking Cruise. about Pearl Jam. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wonderful makeup yeah, these guess. days. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um yeah, man, it's a, it's a wonderful show. And like you said, you know, Eddie actually thanks Jack and says the band wouldn't be together today if it wasn't for him. Okay. So just in a lot of ways, uh, this song, Corduroy, is very much about 
you know, I want something, but not, you know, I, I want it and I don't want it. Right. And so there's very much this, this conflict. And I think the song was representative of that. And so what a perfect rendition of it for Jack's first show and uh, thematically with the show being the voters choice benefit. And as I mentioned before, the sound quality is just outstanding. So I highly encourage folks to give this one a whirl. Cool. Back to the nation's capital on January 14th, 1995.
the really cool thing about that version of Corduroy is the intro is elongated. So they play it, I think, twice as long as usual. And then Jack comes in. Mm -hmm. And if you recall, um, since I think pretty early in Matt's um, career with the band, he's on a different kind of uh, intro um, getting into the main riff of the song, whereas the album version is what Jack plays here. So you get more of that studio vibe getting right. into the song. Uh, and then on the outro, I don't know that I've heard this much before, but you have dueling guitar solos. They yeah. kind of call and respond to each other. I don't know that I can rem remember another version where they did that. Uh, I'm sure they have, but usually, especially in modern times, Mike just kind of wails for three and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, a, a wonderful, wonderful version. We've got three, I think three, but we got more. We got more interviews coming up. We sure and do. Next week, we've got the mighty Red Mosquito. If you don't know them, oh, you're going to know them now. They are a fabulous band. They're from Lima, Peru. Uh, they are friendly with the band we just talked to, uh, Corduroy. So I highly suggest you check out next week's episode. And until you listen to that episode, you've been listening to this episode. And it's been The State of Love and Trust. <laughs>